Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. I got to tell you, we're very blessed today to have uh, a rabbi from uh, a special city. Why do I say it's a special city? Because I really think that if you are a professional football fan, there is only one city that rivals Atlanta. There's only one city. If you are a professional football fan, and that city has got to be Buffalo, New York. Uh, and and the reason is because, uh, as you all know, uh, Atlanta is is the home of the greatest uh, choke in the history of uh, all of sports. Uh, God bless us, everyone. And uh, and it was it was crushing, it crushing. It, it actually made my son a man. Uh, I remember it was right at the pivotal age. And uh, and uh, and in any case, it was so much pain. But as much pain as we had in that ultimate choke, wow, Buffalo, New York, oh my gosh, I, I feel there, there's a common shared heritage of suffering when it comes to football, <laughs> and Buffalo just can't quite make it to the top of the mountain. They've been there so many times, and, uh, and God bless them. I just, uh, in any case, this doesn't have a spiritual impact, uh, but it can lead to depression for a whole city, uh, <laughs> so I guess it does. <laughs> it does. Uh, in any case, uh, we're really excited to have Rabbi Frank Lowinger from Congregation Brit, uh, Brit Chadashah in uh, Buffalo, New York. Uh, we, we got him here uh, where it's nice and warm uh, and uh, in the middle of winter, so he did not complain. Um, and uh, But he's raised conservative. He's actually the son of a Holocaust survivor. And, uh, and the Lord uh, brought him to himself, and he now leads the congregation that uh, as he founded back in 1983. And he is uh, on, in the leadership of the IAMCS and the MJAA. That's the parent organization that we're all under the covering of. Uh, he's on the, the board of directors of it. And so bottom line is make sure you're nice to him. He's kind of like my <laughs> boss in a way. You know, and uh, so try to treat him well. Uh, but in any case, he's he's a, a good brother, and he's got a sweet word he wants to share with us today. Let's welcome Rabbi Frank Lowinger, everybody. Thank you, Rabbi Kevin. Inevitably, whenever you tell someone you're from Buffalo, two things always come up. The weather and our football team. And so this coming Sunday, it's going to be painful to watch. We had dreams of grandeur. But we heard those awful words to come back to haunt us again, wide right. So don't ever mention wide right to somebody from Buffalo. And then on the, on the weather side of things, look, I got to tell you, 
Buffalo is not the only place that gets a lot of snow. It was 30 years ago this month, Valentine's Day, that's how I know for sure, where a pastor friend of mine and I, we came down to Atlanta for a Promise Keepers conference. We had built in a couple extra days to go out and play golf. So we get out on the golf course and it's February 14th, it's Valentine's Day, and it was cold. We had shorts on, <laughs> we had to buy a sweat sweatshirts, you know, it was cold, but it wasn't yet snowing. We get on the first day, it started snowing. We got to the ninth hole and we were freezing and the snow just kept coming down. We go into the clubhouse after the ninth hole to buy some gloves. Just as the OJ trial is in full, in full scope, and the guys at the clubhouse got a good kick out of this. Only guys from Buffalo are playing golf in the snow, and they want O.J. Simpson isotoner gloves. We are not the only ones <laughs> that have to deal with adverse weather from time to time. It's always such a joy to be here at Beth Hillel. This is your congregational home. And what you need to know, this is one of the marquee synagogues in our movement. And whenever I come here, and my first time was in 1994, you know, it's just a, a marvelous tribute to a visionary by the name, visionaries by the name of Rabbi Robert and Dottie Solomon. And their son, Rabbi Kevin, carries on in this very rich legacy and I look back, and this is part of the original sanctuary, and I am just at awe because I know that there have been a lot of great anointed words that have come from behind this pulpit, and I just consider it to be a great honor to be here before each and every one of you. You know, we are living certainly in tough times. I particularly liked the class that was announced in uh, the announcement segment, Warriors for Messiah. You see, because I've titled my talk this, this evening, A Call to War in 24. My wife right now, she's in Antarctica, but prior to being in Antarctica, spent four glorious days in Buenos Aires, Argentina. She visited a very old synagogue, sent me back pictures, and they were all so beautiful and moving. One in particular, they had a special room with ornate settings to remember those who are held hostage in, in Gaza. And it was just so tastefully done. And what really, really excited me is that wherever Jewish communities are in all of the diaspora, when the times are difficult, we mourn, we pray, we unite, we give, we do whatever we can to help in the effort because all of our hearts just collectively break. And I, I believe with all of my heart that October 7th was a defining prophetic marker. Days like October 7th to me are the kinds of days that we read about when we're observing Tisha B'Av. But it's a very, very difficult day. And to add insult to injury, we see all of the latent anti-Semitism coming up out of the woodwork. 
It was secretive, now it just came out. Not just here in the United States, but amongst most every nation of the world. And you just almost sense in your heart that yes, these are the last days. But with the last days, folks, there is so much opportunity. And I remember not long ago, it was a, a month ago, we had a rabbi's conference. And Rabbi Kevin said to me, it was for moments like this that the Messianic Jewish Israel Fund was established. For moments like this. And the MJA's Joseph Project, it was for moments just like this where we proverbially we circle the wagons and we do whatever we can humanly possible. But there's more that we can do beyond what's humanly possible because there is a call to prayer and intercession that just needs to be made. And, I, and then let me just turn to my opening text for this evening, but not just the MJF or MJAA Joseph Project. I believe that the Messianic Jewish community, we are primed for days like this. And I'm gonna to unfold to you why I believe that we are primed. Who else is gonna be better suited to call for a war, call for war in the year 24? I always like to give a theme to the coming year at the congregation and that's what I, that was the title of my New Year's message and it's now become part of a series. Avinu Malkinu, we thank you, oh God, our King. This is your inspired word and it speaks to every generation, but we ask that you would speak to our hearts this night. B'Shem Yeshua, Amen. Revelation 12 and 9 through 11. And the great dragon was thrown down. The ancient serpent called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his anointed one. That's a, that's a great passage, folks. Now has come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his anointed one. These are the days where the pouring out of the authority of his anointed one, the Messiah, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters, the one who accuses them before our God day and night has been thrown out. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives even in the face of death. I want to begin by start, I want to start by honoring a very great Atlantan who was truly a man who was an overcomer, a man who understood spiritual warfare and physical warfare like few others. He was a warrior. He was an overcomer who put his life on the line every time he stepped out into the public. He did not love his life even in the face of death. And I speak, of course, of the late and great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. 
Dr. King divinely guided by a fresh spiritual vision. And in true Torah fashion, he was a true seeker of justice. Reverend King offered this prophetic vision that ever rings so true to our day. He wrote, the church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state, never its tool. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral and spiritual authority. This prophetic word is ever so true if we have witnessed the moral biblical high ground being usurped by men who have been deceived by the ultimate father of lies. The body of Messiah, for the most part, has been rather complacent as the culture has become so deviant and demonic. The power of our witness to the world has long been compromised. And it would seem that the masses are more content with being politically correct rather than being biblically correct. And thus we are in the throes of moral erosion being subjugated and subordinated by worldly forces of this darkness and the full sway of spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Text says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Who did they overcome? They overcame the accuser the father of lies, the thief, the great dragon, the serpent, Diabolus, the slanderer, the deceiver of the whole world, the devil, Satan. And consider how difficult it is to stand for truth in an environment that is controlled by deception and lies. See, we need to rise to the occasion as overcomers, knowing that the adversary lurks and we need to, as believers, declare for war in 24. To be an overcomer, one must take on the enemy. We must engage. To be an overcomer and engaging is a two-part a two war. The overcomers, we are told, did not love their lives even in the face of death. Overcomers overcome. There's a price to pay, and they pay it. There are fears. There is opposition. There is personal risk, along with mountains to climb, but they courageously move forward. So how do we answer the call for war in 24? 2 Corinthians 10.3 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but powerful through God for tearing down strongholds. We are tearing down false arguments. And every high-minded thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of the Messiah. And this is how we engage the enemy. We fight a campaign on the land and in the air. I almost want to sound like Churchill 
and we shall defeat the enemy on the beaches, in the battlefield, in the land, and in the air. But we need to defeat him on the land and in the air. We defend Israel. We defend the Jewish people by taking down these strongholds, tearing down false arguments, and going after every high-minded thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We engage in the arena of ideas, utilizing both biblical insight to go along with an accurate knowledge of history. We engage the enemy through discernment, seeking truth that we may take down false arguments, false accusations authored by the accuser. They're intended to mislead and to divide people. They're false arguments that literally have an enemies list and they want to marginalize those they disagree with. Who gave us cancel culture in the land of the free and the home of the braves? Who gave us this wonderful world of woke? Who is actively promoting the grossest of sins by confusing children to such a degree that perfectly healthy boys and girls are desiring mutilation and hormone blockers and without parental consent? Yeshua did warn, but whoever causes one of these little ones who trusted me to stumble it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be sunk into the depth of the sea. So we need to engage this enemy also through an air campaign, through serious intercessory prayer. We are all conscripted into this this elite air force led by our ultimate commander-in-chief, Adonai Sevaot. Zechariah tells us, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to wage war. Then Adonai will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in a day of battle. We are aligning with him when we take to intercessory prayer and we destroy false arguments and accusations concerning not just the state of Israel, but Jewish people in general. Globally speaking, the world is on the precipice of war. Nations are aligning and and, and being true to Bible prophecy. What are we seeing? That Jerusalem is at the center of it all. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of reeling to all of the surrounding people. Moreover, in that day, I will make Jerusalem a massive stone for all the people. All who try to lift it will be cut to pieces. Nevertheless, all of the nations of the earth will be gathered together against her. See, October 7th, again, it set a precedent. Not seen, not seen since the Nazi era. Now, you don't know if you're reading the New York Times, the LA Times, the Buffalo News, or, or, or Der Sturmer. Or, or Pravda, or any of these other, other periodicals. There was a big brouhaha in Buffalo concerning a cartoon that was published in the Buffalo News, and I can't tell you for the sake of time how it all went down, but the outrage from the Jewish community and letters to the editor forced the, the editorial staff to issue an apology. 
But we haven't seen stuff like this since the Nazi era. The dragon, the serpent of old, will never relent from its efforts to annihilate the Jew, a Jewish presence on the earth. This is at the crux of it all. Again, you know, I remind you that if Satan can remove a Jewish presence from the earth, then all of the Bible and all of the covenants of promise given to our fathers becomes obsolete, null, and void. If there is no state of Israel, how can Messiah return to a state that is not Jewish? And I believe this is the stratagem of the adversary. Go after the messenger. Go after the seed that brings redemption. Because if you defeat Israel, if you defeat a Jewish presence in the earth, then everything in our Bible becomes null and void, and we can reduce it to the level of Shakespeare. You see, the Hamas terror attack of October 7, it was a prophetic marker of game changers. In the United States, as well as in many nations, there is a great proliferation of anti-Semitism and threats to Jewish communities. Our institutions of higher learning and even lower learning, K, K through 12, they're centers that are spewing forth anti-Semitic hate and revisionist history. And we all saw the things transpiring with the Ivy League schools. But this attack on October 7th, it exposed all of this latent hatred. You know, prior to his death, the courageous churchman Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously said, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. We are not silent. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness shines out brightly and her salvation is a blazing torch. On your walls, Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all day and all night, they will never hold their peace. You who remind Adonai, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. This is where we fight that war in the air. It's a clarion call to prayer, to intercession. This is not the time to be lukewarm in our faith, but we need to be passionate. We need to receive an invigoration of soul through the Ruach HaKodesh. The book of, Revel the book of Revelation, Yeshua issues letters to seven congregations in Asia and to the Kahal in Laodicea, and he warns, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am about to spew you out of my mouth. You know, to be lukewarm, it's, it'd be indecisive, silent, fearful at this hour of our greatest need. Yes, the great dragon, the devil, and Satan have been thrown down to the earth, but we are told now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his anointed one. We do not battle alone. We align ourselves with our Messiah. 
lukewarmness, indecision, silence, fear. Didn't this not epitomize the people of Israel in the days of Elijah? Earlier, we sang that song, that great song by Paul Wilbur. So uplifting, painting a beautiful picture of revival. And yes, in a time of great harvest, these are the days of Elijah. But folks, look, there is a flip side to the days of Elijah. What is that flip side? Well, the flip side is simply this. These are indeed the days of Elijah. They have to be because we are living in the tyranny of too many Ahabs and Jezebels. See, our country, our land, land of Israel, and the nations were being governed by too many Ahabs and Jezebels. And there's so much political tension here. Ahab and Jezebel have instituted a secular assault on all of the prophets of God, putting hundreds to death. But the defining moment is this. 1 Kings 18.21, Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If Adonai is God, follow him. If Baal is, follow him. But the people did not answer him, not even a word. Recognize what is at stake here. The choices were clear. People were silent. They did not give an answer, not a word. And why the silence? Why no proclamation for the Lord? And, and why is Elijah alone amidst 850 false prophets? The people feared that if they sided with Adonai and Elijah, that they would then be deemed enemies of the state and would share the very same fate of the prophets who were put to death. And nobody dared step out of line. We are influencers, witnesses for the Messiah, and we cannot fall into moral compromise. We are overcomers, and overcomers overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Going back to Yeshua's seven letters, let me just give you a very brief synopsis. Revelation 2, 7, to the one who overcomes, I will grant the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. 2.10, do not fear, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. 2.11, the one who overcomes shall never be harmed by the second death. 3.5, the one who overcomes thus will be dressed in white clothes. I will never blot his name out of the book of life and will confess his name before my father and his angels. 3.12, the one who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will never leave it. 3.21, to the one who overcomes, I will grant the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I myself overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. I think those are really, really lofty things to aim for. And with all of this shaking going on, there are going to be ample opportunities to give a testimony for Yeshua. There is going to be a lot of low-hanging fruit. People are going to be ripe and hungry 
to receive words of hope, words of hope emanating from the scriptures and pointing to Messiah and his redemption. There's just not a lot of hope out there, but people in these days like this are going to look for hope. And we are as emissaries, we are as spokespersons, and this is how we need to also take that war on the ground by proclaiming the good news of our king. And I believe that amidst the troubles of these days, God will pour out his spirit and power. And there is going to be a revival in Israel beginning in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and then the other most parts of the earth that is going to eclipse what we read about in the early chapters of the the book of Acts. And I believe there's going to be a seismic shift in the way that our people are going to perceive. Our people are disillusioned with betrayal right now because of October 7th. They put their trust in individuals who are now exposed as haters and anti-Semites. There's going to come a time of an awakening for our people. And this is why the Messianic Jewish movement has been working and being established for the modern movement for over 60 years. It is for times like this that we are in place and we have a word of hope. We often take for granted the miracles that every one of us represents. You know, to us, Messiah is real. You know, Messiah to us is not a concept, not a theory, not some uh, utopian fantasy, but we know him and he's come into our hearts and he's made a difference. He's made us alive to the spirit. And by that same spirit and through intercession, there is going to be a great awakening amongst our people that according to my understanding of Romans 11, will lead to life from the dead. I want to bring things to a close with Acts chapter 2 and 17 through 18 and verse 21. Standing before the temple on the day of Shavuot, multitudes of our people from every nation were gathered for the festival. And Shimon Kepha quotes the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my ruach on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. I believe that that day is so fast at hand. You know, I went to my first Messiah conference in 1982. I had been a believer for eight years, and I never knew such a thing called Messianic Judaism even existed. But there was a banner over over the platform in those years, and it was there for a long, long time, revival, the time is now. And we've weathered storms, but I believed revival, the time is now. The king of glory. I mean, there is a a, a Ruach revival coming. And this Ruach revival, it came in the midst of severe Roman tyranny. Think about it. Why were the Talmudim hiding initially? And then they had the boldness to come out 
Well, these were tyrannical times. They were killing times. Roads in and out of Jerusalem were lined with crucified Jewish people. You did not dare go against Caesar. There was great fear. And in the midst of all of this terrorism, Jerusalem is turned upside down. God poured out his spirit through signs, wonders, and miracles, and tongues on fire, fire rested on the Talmudim. Galileans and peoples were awestruck to hear their own languages being spoken, declaring the mighty deeds of God. The king of glory will not be silent. He will not be lukewarm, non-combative in this hour. From him and from us will go forth a call for war in 24. And with every setback, with every form of crisis, is going to come a time of great opportunity. And I'll leave you with this, these words from Luke 21 and 12. But before all these things, they will grab you and persecute you, handing you over to the synagogues and prisons and leading you away to kings and governors on account of my name. That didn't sound too uplifting, did it? But then it says, this will lead you to be a witness. And you will be hated by all because of my name. That doesn't sound very good. But yet not a hair of your head will be lost. By your endurance, you will win your souls. Let us gear up and call for a spiritual war in 24 and taking down arguments to rise up against the knowledge of God. We have a treasure within our chests. The Holy One has given to us a down payment of the glories to come indwelling us with his spirit, writing his Torah, his law on the tablets of our heart, removing our hearts of stone, giving us a spiritual circumcision. And I just want to put this out for those of us who are here, those who are joining us in live stream. I just want to encourage and to invite you to undertake a most courageous endeavor, believe in the person of the Messiah who came to take away the sins of this world. I think most people who are here tonight could testify to the nth degree, the great changes that God will make in our hearts and in our minds if we will take that bold step of faith and say, Messiah, Yeshua, Messiah Jesus, I recognize that you are Messiah. Who, who died for my sins, and I want to trust in you, come into my heart and make of me a new creation. And once you pray that bold prayer, you know, put on your safety belt. He's going to take you for an amazing ride. You're going to go over hills and down hills, but you are going to be a new individual. Embrace that very thing that has given hope and confidence and encouragement to multitudes of people the world over. Oh God, we come to you in thankfulness, acknowledging that you continue to do great things amongst us, that your covenants are without repentance, they are irrevocable, and that your greater works for our people are yet to be told. Tales and, uh, that are far by far going to eclipse 
our exodus from Egypt. It is going to by far eclipse anything that we have ever known. Bring that day soon, oh God. And may we experience a great end time outpouring of your Ruach HaKodesh that you would put a new heart and a clean spirit within us. We ask your mercies upon a land, the land of Israel, under so much turmoil, so much disruption, pain, agony, and mourning, that you would turn their mourning into joy, into dancing. Bring it, Lord, even now, for we come to you through the faithfulness of Messiah, our King. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.